Coming up on Golf Today, round one highlights from the Mexico Open, including the world number two, John Rahm, who is looking for his first win since June, off to a fast, fast start in Puerto Vallarta. Also going to check in with the big easy Ernie Els. He wants to stop by to chat about his roots in the game that flew at Golf Swing, his foundation, the Open, and his brand new Golf Pass series. And another Open champ wants to hop on, make way for Calc, man of a thousand starts and looking ahead to one last sweet walk this summer at St. Andrews. On you go, laddie. It's Thursday, and it's Golf Today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Beautiful Thursday at Vidanta Vallarta, playing host this week of the Mexico Open, which is an official PGA Tour event for the very first time this week. And the birdies are a plenty so far. Hope your day is off to a great start. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine. So we got golf going on in Mexico, but Twitter's kind of taking us into a different direction. Three weeks out from the PGA Championship, Tiger Woods reportedly on the ground in Tulsa. Yeah, you're starting to feel like an earth traffic controller here, Damon, who's tracking Tigers playing with a certain degree of regularity. We saw the same drama play out the week before the Masters when mm. Tiger flew up and played a practice round there just to see if his body could physically withstand the demands of walking the golf course. And by all accounts, he's in Tulsa this morning doing the exact same thing at Southern Hills with three weeks lead time. Amazing to see. Tiger Woods, of course, won that PGA at Southern Hills in 2007. We'll keep you posted as the news warrants. Now, but a little bit of tension outside the ropes. You may recall, folks, earlier in the year, a couple of PGA Tour winners and Kevin Nye and Grayson Murray got into a bit of a Twitter spat that spilled over on the range in Mexico yesterday. So with more on that story, let's welcome in our own Todd Lewis and T. Lewis. It sounds like things are getting a little bit fiery down in Mexico. What can you tell us? Well, this started earlier in the year when Kevin Na was competing in the Sony Open, and a broadcaster said, and I'm paraphrasing here on Twitter, it's cool to watch Kevin Na walk putts in. And then Grayson Murray responded, who wasn't playing in the event, by saying it's, not, it's never getting old uh, watching Kevin Na taking three minutes to line up a putt. And then Kevin Na responded to Grayson Murray saying it's... it's kind of getting old watching you miss cuts so you know that we thought that ended in June they had a little spat you know some of it was playful some of it may not have been excuse me that was in January uh, but now let's fast forward to the Mexico Open Grayson Murray on a podcast earlier this week came out and described what was a very tense altercation between him and Kevin Na here this week that again stemmed from that little Twitter spat earlier in the year. This is what Grayson Murray had to say in this podcast. He made this public saying, I was hitting balls on the range and just kind of had my head down walking to the chipping green. Sure enough, I hear someone yelling and cussing at me. I won't repeat every word said, but basically there was a lot of profanity involved and calling me a not so nice word about how I should have said it to his face in person. He didn't like that I didn't tag him on the post, the Twitter post, which I'm pretty sure I did. He went on to say, I guarantee every one of them could hear what he said and the caddies. I went right up to his face and held my ground and I told him, if I wasn't going to get suspended right now, I'd drop his butt, different word there, right here on the range. So according to Grayson Murray, that sounded like a very intense conversation. I did have a chance to talk to Kevin Na about 
the incident earlier this week, and he did confirm to me there was a confrontation, and yes, it was stemmed around, basically Kevin not being happy with Grayson Murray and the fact that he did not tag him in that Twitter post from earlier this year. But Kevin did go on to say he didn't want to talk much about it. This is all he wanted to say in regards to that incident from earlier this week, saying, quote, that's not exactly how it went down, talking about Grayson Murray's description, but I'm over it and I'm moving on, looking forward to having a good week here in beautiful Mexico. All right, so there was an altercation. They were face-to-face, -face and it got very tense, and there was discussion, at least, of violence. Nothing happened physically, so I'm sure the PGA Tour, not very happy with that, and you can bet an official will have a conversation with both of those players. If not, they've already had the conversation. And here's another interesting thing, guys. Grayson Murray and Kevin Nye are playing in the afternoon. Their tee times are separated by only nine minutes, albeit they're going to start on different sides, so they will be on the range probably in just a few moments, getting ready for this first round here at the Mexico Open. I, I don't think anything is going to happen there in a negative way. We just will have to watch and see what happens. Todd Lewis with all the news and nuggets, not just inside the ropes, but outside the ropes as well in Mexico. So, Eamon, here, here we go. I remember this story on, on Twitter. Twitter, just, it just it seems to bring out the worst in people from time to time. But it's one thing for it to happen on Twitter. Now it's happening on the golf course. What was your number one takeaway from this? Yes, I, I think it's comical that this is the first time Grayson Murray's gone for the throat on the PGA Tour in five years at this point. Look, there's not much to admire in Kevin Na's pace of play or even less in his flirtation with the Saudis, but there's nothing to admire in the routine lack of professionalism of Grayson Murray. But, you know, I'm like a cat lover watching a dog fight here. I, I don't have a rooting interest in either of them. You think it catches the attention of PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan? I don't know if it works its way up to Jay, but some of his guys out there, like Andy Pazder, who's essentially the enforcer of, of tour regulations out there at tournaments, I'm sure he's paying attention to it. He's normally the one who gets those kind of calls if there's any kind of dispute between players. So I'm sure it's made it to the tour's attention. It's the kind of thing that you're likely to see some kind of fine or reprimand, mm. but it won't be made public. It's one thing if it's Red Sox-Yankees in, in Major League Baseball, things happen and players walking out of the the dugout, we saw the, the Mets and the, the Cardinals having a little dust-up early season Major League Baseball. This is a, a PGA Tour event, a new one, in Mexico. This is not the look you want on a Thursday as these players prepare and are teeing off. Well, you might if it was two big names, Rashi, drawing a little bit of attention. But, mm. you know, people aren't going to be paying that much attention to whatever Grayson Murray's latest rant is or Kevin Nas' response to it. It's, it's a little bit on the juvenile side and I don't think it's really going to detract from the tournament. It's probably not going to engage that many fans' interest either. Give a sense on who's going to play better today between the two. Well, based on current records, you got to say Kevin Na, not by much, but yeah. certainly by Kevin Na. Hopefully that tempers stay cool on this Thursday. All right, folks, uh, coming up, we're just three weeks out, by the way, from that start of the PGA. We mentioned Tiger winning there in 2007. I'm thinking he's one of the potential storylines, maybe Lefty, perhaps, will he show up? Jordan Spieth's going to be there trying to win the career Grand Slam. And Scotty Scheffler loves Southern Hills. We're loving some Thursday golf today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Back on Golf Today, Tiger Woods, call him Goat Needle, call him what you like, making some news rumblings again today. His airplane seen landing in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which so happens to be the city where the PGA Championship will be held in less than a month. For more, we go back to Mexico to join Todd Lewis once again. Todd, what have you heard? Yeah, well, David, I can give you confirmation from multiple sources that Tiger Woods is on the grounds of Southern Hills today. He is planning on playing a practice round, and if you read the tea leaves from that, it looks like he is preparing to play the PGA Championship just as he did making that advanced trip to Augusta National the week before the Masters, and ultimately he did play the Masters. So Tiger Woods is on the grounds in Tulsa right now. Plan is to play a practice round in Southern Hills. Uh, again, I'm getting confirmation from multiple sources there. And then likely going to go from there to Las Vegas. Uh, he is going to Las Vegas for this weekend's Tiger Jam. It's an annual fundraising event, and it raises a lot of money for his foundation. So a very busy few next few days for Tiger Woods. But right now he is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it looks like trying to get ready for the PGA Championship. All right, T. Lou confirming the news that Tiger Woods on the ground in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's like deja vu all over again, Eamon. We went through this at Augusta. He ended up playing. When he left the Masters after 72 holes, where did you think we would see him again? I suspected we might actually see him here because he had enough time to recover. He was going to have about a five-week window to get over the whatever the physical demands were of playing at Augusta National. And on Sunday night at Augusta, he told our colleague Cara Banks that he was committing to play the Open Championship right. at St. Andrews. He was non-committal on anything else around that, including both the US Open and the PGA Championship. But Southern Hills is a much less demanding venue to walk than Augusta National is. Clearly, Tiger's game wasn't where it wanted to be as the week wore on at Augusta National. But the reception he got on the grounds all through that week, and particularly on that first tee Thursday, was as loud as I've heard anywhere and I think he seemed to actually in a way be humbled mm. by that and much more appreciative of it than we've seen from Tiger in the past so I'm not at all surprised that he wants to try to give it a shot here at the PGA Championship because in comments that he's made publicly he's made it very clear that his focus is going to be on the tournaments that will define his legacy from this point onward. He's called it playing the Ben Hogan schedule and that means major championships for Tiger Woods. I also find it interesting you know Southern Hills Country Club, you would think it's it's like Augusta National. It is not. I was there in 01 for the U.S. Open and 07 for the PGA. It's a big walk downhill on the first hole. It's a big walk downhill on 10. It's a big walk uphill on 9 and 18. But the rest of the golf course is relatively flat. Does this tell you the fact that the plane is – I mean, Tiger, it, it's back in business now. I mean, how does this change the entire temperature uh, – pardon the pun, it was like 150 it felt like in 2007. But how does it change the entire tenor 
of what we might see in three weeks' time. Well, I think if you're the PGA of America, today's a really good day for you, yeah. or at least a really good sign that Tiger is going to give it a shot, most likely, at trying to play, because this was a major championship that was in danger of being overtaken by stories that are happening outside mm. the ropes rather than what's happening inside the ropes. And Tiger showing up to play is a great boon, a great positive step for the championship that the focus will actually be on who's playing and how well they're playing rather than, than who's not playing or who may not show up there. Yeah. You mentioned the, the adulation of the, the patrons in Augusta and how that must have been jet fuel for Tiger and kind of giving him some feels that maybe he hadn't had for a long time or at least in a different way. How about the state of his game and what you saw over those 72 holes? You know, Tiger came back to test his leg. He wanted to win, as he said in his pre-tournament press conference. He's gotten that behind him now. He's surviving 72 holes. Do you think, from what you saw in Augusta and at the Masters, that now he begins to kind of get into the flow of trying to win a major championship again, knowing that he's going to be playing in May? We don't know about Brookline yet. We do know about July, you know, Lord willing, and, and the creek don't rise. Well, I think Tiger's not showing up just for applause for being there. Tiger's showing up for the applause on Sunday afternoon yeah. when he's in contention. And I, I think the only thing we saw, there were two gauges you could use, really, at Augusta National, was the game and the body. The body held up. He did look tired as the week wore on. I think that was to be expected. It's also a pretty demanding week, even if it was on a flat golf course. It's yeah. a demanding week for Tiger Woods. But the body held up. The game had, had moments to it, but he, to me it looked more like a lack of competitive sharpness. Mm -hmm. He wasn't lacking speed. He wasn't lacking... The skills hadn't eroded with Tiger Woods, he just simply lacked competitive sharpness. He hadn't played a, a PGA Tour event or a major championship in a very long time. So it, it's no surprise that we saw him put a couple of 78s on the board over the weekend on a tough course as his body was starting to tire out on him. But he started, what he shot, the 71 that he shot on, on Thursday, I thought was one of the most remarkable rounds I'd ever seen from I a agree. guy coming out of the, where he had been even a year ago or even six months ago, to what he was able to do in the first round under that kind of spotlight at Augusta National, that was pretty impressive. He played better than I thought he would. His body held up better than I thought it would, considering the amount of rain that Augusta National got in the run-up to that opening round. But do you think he played better than he thought he would, though? I, I, that's that's I, a real that's the, that's the unanswerable question, question yeah. here, isn't it? That we, we know what everybody else, we sit here and we talk about what are reasonable expectations for Tiger, but he's... He's always been very coy in saying what those expectations yeah. are of, that he has for himself. I think he was encouraged. I think he was encouraged. I think he has to be. I think yep. he has to realize that there are a lot of big-time players who trunk, you know, slammed their trunk on Friday at Augusta. He came in with, with no reps, you know, and not knowing how his body would react or his golf swing would react. I think he will go to Southern Hills, uh, Southern Hills feeling like he can float on a cloud. He's there three weeks before the PGA Championship. He's not going there to test his leg. He's going there to start remembering the shots that he hit, to start to get the feels and put a game plan together. I'm curious if you think how this changes the rest of the field's view. I think Scotty Scheffler was probably helped by Tiger Woods being there. I think Rory McIlroy was helped by Tiger playing in the Masters. How does this change maybe the run-up for the other players, Jordan Spieth trying to win a career Grand Slam. Scotty Shuffler going to a golf course he calls his favorite in the country. I think it takes a lot of heat and attention off a lot of other folks. Jordan Spieth's coming off a win mm. at the RBC. He's heading there in form for the career Grand Slam. The, the lights were going to be shining bright on Jordan Spieth that week. They're going to be shining a little less bright 
on him now if Tiger does happen to make a start there. And let's not forget, Tiger, this golf course has had a, a, a substantial redo by Gil Hans at Southern Hills. But Tiger still has institutional knowledge here and mm. positive memories having won the PGA Championship on this course. It's not as though Tiger's flying completely blind here and going to try to learn a golf course that he hasn't seen before. My suspicion would be Tiger's out there today again to test the body, perhaps try to sharpen up the game a little bit. But it's not as though Tiger doesn't know what the challenge is that's presented by Southern Hills. He's met that challenge before and passed it. You think Tiger has a sense of urgency knowing that this major championship schedule in particular fits his skill set so well because he's had such great success at the old course. He's had such great success at Southern Hills. He'll have some knowledge of the country club that a lot of players in the field at the U.S. Open will not have. I'd love somebody to show me a major championship schedule that does not suit Tiger Woods' skill set at this point. But certainly this year, the, the attachment to the old course with the two Open Championship victories. This may be the last time we see Tiger yeah. at, at the old course, frankly. And at Augusta National, his record there speaks for itself with yeah. the five wins, the win at Southern Pine, uh, Southern Hills. And, and Brookline, he obviously has some memories, not as strong as anywhere else. But I think Tiger's feeling his way into yeah. it right now. Augusta was a pretty big stage to step out on. But at, at a certain point, Tiger's going to stop showing up for the sake of testing the waters and mm. start showing up looking to test every other aspect yeah. of his game against the best in the world. Big news story, Tiger Woods on the ground in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more, we go back to Mexico and our old Todd Lewis. Todd, what can you tell us? Yeah, a couple of follow-up notes. Yes, again, Tiger Woods, I have confirmed, is playing an 18-hole practice round at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He will not be using a card. He is going to walk all 18 holes and caddying for him will not be his regular caddy, Joe LaCava. Instead, it will be Kerry Cosby, who is the head professional there at Southern Hills. So what Eamon was talking about there and learning this golf course, he's going to have a guy on his bag who obviously knows this golf course and the head professional, Kerry Cosby. And so he's going to show uh, Tiger all the intricacies of this major championship layout. And by the way, what a fantastic moment for uh, Kerry Cosby to be on the bag for the greatest player of this generation and showing him the ropes prior to his possible start at the PGA Championship. Guys? Great stuff from Todd Lewis. I can tell you Kerry Cosby's been at Southern Hills for a long, long time. I don't think he's going to be showing Tiger much of the ins and outs. Maybe just reminding him of a few of the intricacies of that golf course. Your thoughts that, you know, what does that tell you anything different that he's playing 18 holes today? No golf cart and no Joe LaCava as well at this point. Yeah, well, Joe LaCava knows Tiger's game inside out, but Kerry knows the golf course inside out, mm. particularly the changes that Gil Hans has made over the last few years. So Tiger, it's been 15 years since Tiger won the Good PGA point. Championship on that golf course. By having the head pro, the longtime head pro, who's intimately familiar with every nook and cranny of this golf course before and after the redo on this bag, I think this is a learning of where the changes are where the landmines have moved to mm. from over the 15 years with the work that's been done on this course. I think he's trying to learn what the new nuances are. Part of Tiger's greatest strength, in my opinion, was his mind and ability to break down golf courses and to learn so quickly. How much do you think that aspect of his greatness you know, led to the, him making the cut and surviving 72 holes at Augusta National? Because we've always raved at his shot-making and his iron played, hitting every iron flag high. But how much do you think the mind 
at this point in his career, an ability to take in information and learn will be as important as his shot making going forward. I think it's everything at, at this point. I really do. I mean, Tiger was, we all know the great shots we've seen Tiger hit over the years, but it was game management much in the same way that Jack Nicholas yeah. had game management where they used to talk about aggressive swings to conservative targets. And, you know, Tiger didn't win majors coming from behind, but Tiger didn't have to win yeah. majors coming from behind. He managed his game all the way through. Jack was very much the same. And Tiger's ability to strategize his way around a golf course is probably peerless right now. And, you know, Joe LeCavre will be on the bag when it matters, when it, it's swing by swing. But in terms of the learning of the golf course, Joe's going to do that when he gets mm. there himself. This might not even be the only trip they make out there. It just happened to be on the way to Vegas for the Tiger Jam this time around which I, I guess Joe's not going to on this trip. But, yeah, when you look at how Tiger breaks down golf courses, historically, he, he manages his own expectations really well. And I think he'll have a game plan by the time he shows up there in three weeks, and that game plan is largely going to be informed by what he's doing out there today. How much is Tiger's now gallery, patrons at Augusta National, and now gallery going forward going to influence what we might see? I mean, we have seen it throughout the history of this game whether it was Jack Nicklaus or Arnold Palmer, what a 15th club those, those fans can be for a player. I was, you know, dumbstruck by what I saw on that Monday at Augusta National at a practice round, just how much love and adulation there was for this man for rushing to put his body back together to make it to the, to the church on time, if you will, on that Thursday. What are you expecting in Southern Hills, potentially Brookline, in, in, of course, July at the old course. Hasn't that changed so much over the years, though? You always got the sense when Tiger was at his peak that the fans were in awe of him, absolutely awestruck by him. Not necessarily love, the way you saw with, say, an Arnold Palmer, but awe. That's morphed now. I think Tiger has been broken down and gotten back up so many times that there's a certain fondness now, an appreciation among golf fans realizing that there may not actually be that many years and that many opportunities mm. left to see a guy who I would argue has been the best player of all time. So there, there is a definite sense of appreciation every time Tiger steps onto a golf course now, especially when we didn't see him yeah. for so long. And now we're most likely only going to see him in the absolute top tier events out there. And I think that adds a certain historical weight to what's left. It's a powerful emotion. We saw it in 86 with Jack. We saw it in 95 with Ben Crenshaw. We saw it in 2019 with Tiger Woods as well. So how about the odds for this PGA Championship? Our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. You see John Rahm there at plus 1,200. Look all the way at the bottom. Small type. Tiger Woods plus 4,000. I'm no bookie, but I'm expecting those numbers to change just a little bit going forward. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Back on Golf Today, the NCAA Championships will return to Greyhawk Golf Club, Scottsdale, Arizona. Women's Championship will be held May 20th through the 25th. Cannot wait. For the first time, by the way, the women's side will be split into six regionals instead of the usual four. And those regionals will be held throughout the country from Tallahassee, Florida to Stanford, California. There are 12 teams per regional, and the top four teams from each will advance to the NCAA Finals at Greyhawk Golf Club. Joining us now, please be joined by Brentley Romine. Now, Brentley, what regional is the toughest in your opinion? Well, Damon, thanks for having me on. Uh, at the top, you have to go with that Stanford regional with, in, in my opinion, the three toughest seeds in terms of one, two, three, Stanford, USC, LSU. But I'm actually going to throw a curveball. I'm going to go with Stillwater in that the host Oklahoma State, everyone left them for dead earlier this spring when they lost their two best players to the transfer portal. But they haven't finished worse than third yet this spring. And so I like them to get the job done. There are some other strong uh, teams in that region. Auburn, Michigan State, Furman, Campbell. Those were all well-coached, talented squads. And then that 11 seed, Tulane. Great Cinderella story here. If you remember, last fall, Hurricane Ida displaced that entire athletic department. The entire, uh, all of those sports teams with the Green Wave had to relocate to Birmingham, Alabama. They all shared a Sheraton hotel. The golf teams had to practice at times across the street at a Top Golf. And fast forward to now, and now Stuart Burke's squad is playing for a chance to go to the NCAA championship. Brentley, we saw a lot of upsets in the NCAA hoops. Which top seeds should be on upset alert here for the golf? So, Damon, you know that the, that 12-5 game is the one we always watch out <laughs> for year after year. And women's college golf, though, it's the four seed this year. And I'm talking about teams like Arizona and Arkansas who lost their best players to the LPGA midseason. And then another team I want to throw out there is Texas Tech and the Stanford Regional. The, the Red Raiders have looked inconsistent as of late, uh, they beat San Jose State, Florida, and some other very good programs back in March at the Mountain View Collegiate. But then last week at the Big 12 Championship, 37 shots behind winner Texas. Iowa State, who's the sixth seed here in this regional, clipped them by 26. So if I'm Texas Tech, uh, I'm, I'm on high alert heading into these regionals. Brentley, you remember seven teams that were eliminated after not hitting a single shot at Baton Rouge Regional last year. They're back in regionals. Which one of those teams should we be looking out for? One of them is going to be Oregon State. That's that's not a surprise as they were the first team left out as the seventh seed last year. The Beavers, they're back as a fifth seed in the Vanderbilt Regional, fresh off a very impressive T2 showing at the Pac-12 Championship. And then also North Texas, eight seed in Albuquerque. This is a team that was fresh off their first Conference USA title in school history last year when their season was canceled and the rug was pulled out from under them. They, of course, went on to win that Barstool Let Them Play Classic. And the in individual medalist at that event, Audrey Tan, she's back this year, one of the best players in school history, five top six finishes. 
this spring. They won the Conference USA title again. And I think on any given day, they're just as good as some of those other teams right above them in that regional, Arizona, Georgia, TCU. And then, of course, they had that little extra internal motivation from what happened last year. Brindley, how about that Big 12 men's championship? Another nail-biting finish with OU winning over OSU in Texas. What did you take away from that? I think this is one that needs to be on TV year after year. It's an instant classic, just like it was a year ago. Let's rewind just for a moment. Remember last year when Pearson Cootie of Texas triple bogeyed his last hole? That knocked the Longhorns from first to third. Oklahoma State ends up edging Oklahoma by just a shot. This year, almost the same thing happened. Oklahoma ends up getting the close victory over Oklahoma State after Brian Stark triples his last hole. Texas played the final four holes in seven over par. And I know I've gotten a lot of flack for my preseason ranking of Oklahoma at number 14, but I, I got to stick to my guns. I still think Texas is the team that's going to be the last team standing on that final day at Greyhawk. But hats off to the job that Ryan Hibble has done. They lost a lot of talent from last year's squad, and they just won the Big 12 title, their sixth win of the year. Chris Goderup is an amazing player. Logan McAllister as well. I think one through five, they've proven that they're the, they're the team to beat. But I, I can't waver from my pick now. Hold strong, Brentley. Hold strong. I know this is your favorite time of year, by the way. Thanks so much for joining us, pal. No problem, Damon. All right, Brentley Romine, one of our college insiders. Coming up next, how about the 1989 Open Champ? Thousand tour starts under the belt for Mark Kalkovecchia. Conversation coming up next. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. And the PGA Tour champions head to the Woodlands this week for the Insperity Invitational. You can catch first-round coverage tomorrow at noon Eastern right here on Golf Channel. Fantastic players in this field. you got major champs. you got men that have won a lot of big-time trophies. Defending champ Mike Weir spoke to him earlier in the week. Mark Kalkovecchia in Texas this week. You know, last week's Club Corp Classic marked his 1,000th start in a PGA Tour sanctioned event, he became the 23rd player ever to achieve that feat. 40 years since he made his tour debut. And Mark joins us now. Calc, it's great to see, you know, through various surgeries, injuries, COVID, winning seasons, heartbreak, you arrived at that milestone last week. What are you most proud of? Yeah, I've been through a lot in the last few years, as uh, a lot of people have, but. Uh, I guess, you know, a thousand starts that, uh, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I stayed on tour uh, all those years uh, and stayed fully exempt. And, uh, you know, still, I'll be uh, 62 next month or June 12th, rather. Uh, so still plugging away. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, my last Open Championship at St. Andrews. Uh, they extended it for me. Uh, obviously, in 2020, it got canceled. And then the last year, I had the back surgery. So, uh you know, looking forward to that. And then uh, once we get past that, I'm not sure uh, uh, what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, I still love to play golf, so I'm, I'm still plugging away. Mark, of those 1,000 tournaments you played, is there one outside of the Open Championship you won at Royal Troon? Is there one that stands out in your mind as a particular highlight? And is there one that all these years later you still think about that it got away from you? <laughs> yeah, the, the two tournaments that uh, other than the Open Championship that were probably my favorite wins were the... Uh, 
88 Australian Open and the uh, 2005 Canadian Open uh, at Shaughnessy, which is a, a beast of a course. Uh, it's a great course, but it's tough. So it was really cool to win that tournament on that golf course. Uh, you know, I, I had a lot of seconds. Uh, you know, some of them I gave away. Some of them I made great rallies to finish second. But uh, one shot that I've always said that I wish I could take over would be the uh, second shot into 18 in the 88 Masters. Uh, I thought it was a perfect hard wedge considering the circumstances. And uh, I, hit it, I hit about 95% of it, but it hit the false front and spun back down the hill. Uh, I wish I would have just—I completely forgot about the back slope in the middle of the green. So I wish I would have, wish I would have taken a nine iron and, uh, and used that slope. Uh, but uh, you know, my mindset at the time was it was a perfect hard wedge, and uh, if I kill it, it'll be perfect. But I didn't quite get it all, and uh, that's the one I, I wish I could take over. Great call on Shaughnessy, by the way. You haven't seen rough uh, like that course. That is quite quite a tough test. You know, we spoke to Jay Haas yesterday, Calc. He said, like, when he struggled in golf, he realized he wasn't qualified to do anything else, so he kept grinding. What was your backup plan? Had golf not worked out? I know you caddied for Ken Green at the Honda in 86, and then you won it in 87. Right. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a good story. Uh, I actually did have a tour card. Uh, well, actually, to start 86, I, that was the first year that I actually did, had no status whatsoever. So, uh, just to kind of stick around golf and stay close to the tour I uh, I caddied for Ken four times and and that was fun we made we made the cuts every time uh, I still don't think he's paid me a dime for any of that but uh, <laughs> you're right uh, uh, it, you know I, I, I ended up four spotting some tournaments uh, Monday qualifying uh, got the US Open uh, qualifier at Shinnecock and uh, Ted May gave me an exemption into Hartford and then I started rattling off top 10. So I got in uh, the next week's tournament and then finally got my first win in uh, 86 at the Southwest Classic in Abilene, Texas. Uh, and from that point on, it was uh, all, all hammers down. Well, Mark, you won 13 times. You were second on tour 27 times. You won a major. You set the scoring record on the PGA Tour. You set the record for the most consecutive birdies ever on the PGA Tour with nine. Do you think your career gets the respect it deserves or do you think you belong in the hall of fame i was i don't i don't think i do belong in the hall of fame uh you know obviously it's close uh had i won another major or uh uh maybe even the players championship when jody mudd hit that amazing shot in 1990 i believe it was on 17 he pushed it right over there at about two feet from the hole and beat me by one so maybe uh, a few of those seconds uh, would have got me in. It was pretty close, but I don't think my record alone is, uh, is good enough to get me in, and I'm fine with that. Hey, Mark, how do you ensure that uh, St. Andrews is a four-day walk, a long goodbye, and, and not a two-day walk? What are you working on right now? Well, number one, I'm hoping it's dry. Uh, uh, you know, leading up to the tournament, so the course plays as fast as possible. Uh, I've got a driver right now that uh, it's a ping driver, a new ping G425, and it doesn't have a whole lot of spin. And if I hit a low one and can get some roll, I can still get it out there pretty good. So uh, that'll help. Uh, and although St. Andrews isn't what I would consider overly long, I did see the scorecard uh, yesterday on Twitter, 7,300 yards, but, uh, you know, it won't play anywhere near that long if it's fairly dry. Uh, that's that's my first hope. Uh, second of all, I, I just need to make some putts. Uh, you know, I played a lot of rounds there. 
the greens, once you get on them, aren't overly difficult to read. Uh, you're going to have a lot of 60, 70, 80 footers, sometimes over 100 footers. So uh, lag putting is very important as well. So if I can, uh, you know, avoid three putts and, uh, and make some putts, uh, I, can, I can definitely make the cut there, which, which is my goal, obviously. This is one of the few tournaments this year at the Open Championship, Mark, where you and Brenda will actually be flying to rather than actually driving in the RV. What's the appeal of St. Andrews? Why is it there you wanted to finish? Well, you know, I, I would have played last year had I not had the back surgery and I was healthy, and I still would have looked forward to it. But uh, there's several things about St. Andrews that are that's special. I mean, it's the home of golf. It's uh, my kids have never been there. Uh, it's just the coolest village, the atmosphere, uh, you name it. You know, uh, depending on what happens with the weather, uh, that can be a little, a little tricky, but that can happen at any uh, Open Championship. So uh, it's just a fun week, and I really do hope that uh, I play well and can make the cut and uh, just really enjoy the week. But e either way, uh, there's not one thing I'm going to worry about. I'm just going to go have as much fun as I, as I humanly can and enjoy the week. Kyle, let's go back to Troon in 89 for a moment. You defeated Greg Norman and Wayne Grady in that playoff. Our colleague Jaime Diaz said of your five iron into the last from not a great lie, by the way, quote, the sound it produced was unmistakable. It was a perfect strike, end quote. What do you remember about that final full swing? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I knew that bunker that, that Greg Norman ended up hitting it into was reachable because in regulation, I hit a really good drive and was only about four or five yards short of it, uh, but it wasn't my all-time best drive. So uh, the drive I hit in the fourth hole of the playoff was basically just kind of a fan high cut. Uh, you know, it wasn't a very good shot at all, but I, because I was afraid of hitting in that bunker. And then when he hit his drive and he just blistered it, uh, a nice, beautiful little fade right down the middle. And I, I was on the left side of the tee and I that kicks a little right. That's going to get. That's going to catch that bunker. And sure enough, it kicked right, and and caught the bunker. And he had no idea. So, all the way up to my my second shot, I was just telling myself to make a good swing. Uh, and you know, then when I saw my lie, it was it was okay. It wasn't horrible. I, I knew I could get it there, no problem. But I was in between a four and a five iron, and I thought, well, there's out of bounds just over the green. So the last thing you want to do is hit a flyer four iron out of bounds. So I hit a five iron, and it did fly a little. Uh, even with the copper brilliant uh, square groove uh, I-2s I had in the bag. Uh, but it just never left the flag. I mean, it was just straight at it. Uh, and when I saw where it landed, I knew it was going to roll up and be fairly close to the hole. Uh, it was just uh, obviously, I think, the, the greatest shot I've ever hit uh, and, and the most important time to hit it. I love the photographic recall of every detail, detail 33 years later, Mark. You hit your 1,000th start last week. You're now about to start... 1,001, you still enjoy it. How many are left in you? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the down, uh, downward slide for sure. Uh, you know, my, my health isn't great. Uh, my back where I had the surgery is fantastic, but my mid-back hurts and my knees kind of hurt as well. So, uh, you know, just typical uh, uh, golfer aches and pains. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. We're going to uh, kind of from here on out, let's just go to next year. Uh, you know, a few that I normally play in the beginning of the year, I'm not going to play. So I'm going to kind of pick and choose a little bit more uh, and just go to the places that I really enjoy. And, of course, once we hop in the bus in April, uh, you know, I don't have to play all the tournaments I normally play because that's one of the great things about having.
motorhome. You can go where you want. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Calc, you're a lifer. You know that. Have a great week in Houston, and especially this summer at St. Andrews. We'll speak to you again soon. All right, you got it, Damon. Thanks for having me. All right, major champ, open champ, Mark Kalkov. Back on golf today, Tony Finau gets his first round started at 2.18 p.m. Eastern time alongside Mexico's own Abe Anser and Kevin Na. Speaking of Tony, we head over to the CDW Intelligence Center and go beyond the scorecard using some shot link statistics. Tony Finau, popular chap, two-time winner on the PGA Tour. He's been a Ryder Cupper twice for the United States. We look at the numbers right now for Tony. He's not where he wants to be, Eamon. It's fascinating, especially when you look at the drop-off on and around the greens from last season of this. 20th to 172 in that putting, 91st to 195. Yeah, and it's quite striking because on tour, he's 303 of 303 from inside of three feet on tour. So he's not missing the really short ones, but when you move to four feet, five feet, and six feet, he's really bad. He's 210, 173rd, and 198th yeah. in those distances. So the closer he's getting to the business end of the hole, Damon, the trickier it seems to be getting from Tony Finau right now. And it's showing in the results. He's made 12 starts on the PGA Tour this season. The only top 10 he's had was a seventh place finish at the Hero, and that's basically middle of the pack at the Hero in a 20-man field. How quickly can it change in your mind? You know, we've been talking about John Rahm, his struggles on the greens as well. He's seven under today. How quickly can it turn for a player who's very comfortable on past Palum, which this golf course has? With a guy like Tony Finau, he's always been a momentum player, and mm. it, you know he makes a bunch of birdies when he gets going. He just hasn't been getting it done lately. Obviously, the, the trick is not in ball striking. He's not struggling tee to green in any great degree. There's not a huge fall off in his numbers from previous seasons there, but there is that striking fall off number around and on the greens. He also ranks 124th in scrambling, which tells you that when he's missing those greens, he's just not really getting to, to save a score or make a score from those situations. And that catches up with you. Really does. That thought was when he won for the second time on the PGA Tour last season during the playoffs outside of New York City, at Liberty National that something had been unlocked with him clearly not having the 2022 that he wants so far hoping for better in Mexico this week 2 18 p.m. his tea time so that was the CDW Intelligence Center people who get it coming up a Hall of Fame legend joins the show we'll talk to Ernie Els about the passion project he's currently focused on outside the ropes Back on golf today, folks, hit record quickly on your DVR. You want to take a peek at one of the greatest golf swings ever. That's a World Golf Hall of Fame member. The Big Easy, smooth Ernie Els and his Pro-Am in Houston at the Woodlands. He joins us on this Thursday. It's great to see you, big man. You're launching a new Golf Pass series, My Roots. What's it been like, not just to share your family story, but to help so many other families who are facing autism? Uh, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Damon. Amen. Um, yeah, that swing wasn't that smooth. I must say, I just saw the replay. <laughs> but uh, any case, but no, the Golf Pass uh, series was a lot of fun. Uh, did it with a good friend of mine, Al. You know, Al's been a cameraman out here for many, many years. And, um, you know, uh, 
you know, we, as you say, we just talked about my life um, in general, uh, a little bit of golf history, where I started, you know, where I came from, where I come from, and, and then obviously um, into autism, um, just things that are just affecting my life and uh, where we're at at the moment. So it was a lot of fun, um, you know, sharing some of my thoughts and, um, and so forth, yeah. Ernie, you established the L Centre for Excellence to provide free education for kids with autism, but you've recently broken ground on a new building there that's going to extend your mission beyond kids, right? Yes, I mean, uh, we've uh, just uh, broken ground on the uh, Adult Services uh, Centre, uh, which is very, very important. Um, you know, the, the whole thing stops, you know, with autistic uh, children, kids, um, at 21, there's no more services left for uh, for these uh, children, you know. So we wanted to make sure that there's something uh, that they can do, whatever they're good at. We're going to find out their talents and um, have a great space for them to work in and, and further their skills, basically. Um, our community in Jupiter, Florida, they've been wonderful. Uh, we've created jobs through... Uh, you know, it's publics, uh, fuel stations, uh, golf clubs, and so forth. And uh, this is going to be a big step for us. Ernie, life can be complicated, a, a journey of ups and downs. Why do you think your transition from South Africa to the PGA Tour was so smooth? Because not everyone is able to handle a new country and a new life. Good question. You know, that was a, was a challenge. Uh, uh, but I had good people around me. I... I, I went to Orlando, Florida, because uh, David Ledbetter was there. Um, you know, he was my teacher at the time for many, many years. So I felt comfortable around David. Then fell in love with the people at Lake Nona uh, in, in, in Orlando. We, we lived there for many, many years. Um, and then we moved down to uh, Jupiter area. But on tour, uh, to come back to your question, you got to surround yourself also with, with good people. And I had... You know, I had uh, Nick Price around me. I had guys like Fred Couples around me, David Frost. Um, then Retief later on, who's a great friend of mine, joined me on the PGA Tour. And so it became a bit more comfortable. But also the players on the PGA Tour, uh, the commissioner, all the guys were really um, comfortable to, to be around. So it was a very nice transition uh, in the end. Ernie, you won twice last year on the PGA Tour Champions during the extended super season. Where are you with your game now? Well, as you saw that swing, you know, I got <laughs> I got to get through the us. ball. And thank you. Now I'm, I'm hitting the ball okay. Um, you know, I've just been, I've been kind of, I've been around um, the lead. Uh, I just haven't been over the line uh, recently. Um, we're coming into a nice stretch of golf now, Eamon. Uh, we've got this week at the Woodlands here, uh, next week in Atlanta, and then a, a major. So we're starting to get into a nice, comfortable uh, period of the year for me. It's getting warmer. It's nice to play in the warm weather. Um, but I just need to, to finish tournaments off. You know, it's, uh, it's wonderful out here. You know, I can finish in the top 10 uh, comfortably when I'm playing half decent. But to win, you know, you still got to uh, do some special things. Ernie, we just talked to Calc, who told us the best shot he ever hit was a five-iron into the last in the playoff in 89 at Troon. You've had a zillion wonderful golf swings, incredible rhythm and tempo. What is the best golf shot you have ever hit? <laughs> well, you gotta you got to watch Golf Pass, my friend. I mean... <laughs> <laughs>
How's that I get for it for promoting, free. Huh? You look at golf balls. You got to see some bunker shots. Okay, okay. Was it was it Muirfield? Maybe I'll, I'll just ask you. Was it the bunker shot at at, uh, at Muirfield in O2? Yeah, that. Well, I had quite a few bunker shots. If you remember that. The Muirfield one with one on the leg. The one leg <laughs> yeah, shot. Yeah, the one leg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know the five iron uh, years ago, '97 congressional. Mm. You know, the getting one on Monty there was was big. So yeah. Quite a few nice ones during the during the years. Thank you. <laughs> well, Ernie, you obviously you're going to play the Open Championship at St Andrews this year. You finished second to Tiger there back in 2000. Some good memories there. Is that a golf course and a tournament and the style of golf that you still think you can compete against the young kids in your 50s? Absolutely. I mean, I mean that's one of the majors. I'm happily uh, going to play until I can't play there anymore. Till I'm 60. Uh, it's really the type of golf where, you know, you can compete. Just look at what Tom Watson did. I mean, you know, I still get goosebumps when I think of Tom Watson almost winning the Open. You know, he hit a perfect 7-9 into Turnberry that year, and it just went through the green. But, um, you know, you know Lynx golf, you know, as, as good as anybody. And, you know, you got to play the ball on the ground most of the time. So when there's a good stiff breeze, you know, any of the old, fogies like myself we can we can get it around and um, and play you know a lot of experience can help and especially around st andrews you know um, i think anybody can win around that uh, course and that means you know anybody that doesn't hit at 340 yards you know like uh, anybody on the pga tour so a lot of local knowledge and experience helps at, at leagues golf Ernie, thanks for driving slowly uh, during your pro-am. We appreciate a few minutes. Have fun in Houston. We'll see you in St. Andrews. You. We'll talk to you soon. We'll be watching Golf Pass. I'm, I'm just in the rough, so I'm not too bad. I'm All right, first time Ernie Els is in the rough. I wish I had just half of that golf swing.